So I'm learning that there are some aspects to care specifically that I didn't envision or, or think about before it's, it happened to me and my family. Welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast. I am Reverend Joy Dister Dominguez. And I'm Reverend Karen Lampy. And I'm Reverend Laura Berg. And I'm Melissa Collier Getford. And we are delighted to be with you for this episode. We seek to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement congregational care ministry and provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministers and ministries in the church. And this episode, we are talking about care during COVID, something that has affected all of us. Uh, It's affected our churches in incredible ways. And so we're going to discuss some ways that perhaps you can um, work with your care team. And as a congregational care minister, you can um, provide care, especially during this very difficult time. Uh, Melissa, you have uh, personally been affected by COVID in a tremendous way. Do you want to share a little bit about what's going on with your family? Yeah, yeah. So COVID has kind of run rampant through my family um, I in Texas. Um, and my, so my sister had COVID a few weeks ago, probably about a month ago now. And and then my parents got it, um, cousins, aunts and uncles. And uh, so so my dad has COPD, and which is a, a, a lung disease that is not good for people um, during COVID right now. And um, so he has that. Uh, my parents got COVID a few weeks ago, and uh, they seem to be doing fine. And then last week, I got a call from my mom, and you know, dad just wasn't doing well. So long story short, um, my dad is currently in the COVID unit um, in my hometown. He has a BiPAP mask on right now, which is my understanding is that's kind of like the step before ventilator. <laughs> um, but uh, we did just get some some news that uh, they're they're considering um, putting him on a ventilator after he was doing well, and then uh, just took a few steps back. And so, so that's some conversations that we're having now, and we're waiting to hear back from the doctors and nurses of, um, you know, what's the next step. And so. Uh, I, I've learned a few things uh, now that COVID has become more personal. You know, for for months, it, it felt to me like it was like something happening out there, and, and sure. so so I'm learning that there are some aspects to care specifically that I didn't envision or, or think about before it's, it happened to me and my mm-hmm. family. So, so my dad is at the hospital and he's been there for days now and he wears glasses, doesn't have contacts and, and has this mask on his face so he can't see. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, his glasses are off because it it doesn't fit on his face. And so um, thinking about ways to keep him occupied without visitors, without calls, without, Mm -hmm. um, you know, things like that. So we're having to connect with the nurses and and getting people to send things to him, but also thinking about how can we help him with you know, listening to podcasts and audiobooks. And so there's this, there's this sense of needing to care for him mm-hmm. in the waiting times. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so that's something that, 
that is, is, is something that I hadn't thought about before. Another thing that I'm noticing with my mom specifically, so she's feeling better from COVID, but she's also continuing to experience long lasting side effects like fatigue with COVID. And also she is incredibly stressed out, um, right? Trying to communicate everything to all of our family members and being that point person to make medical decisions. And so um, there's some things that I'm trying to do, though I'm dealing with my own anxiety and and fear right now. Um, you know, there's, there's some mental and emotional labor that takes place when you ask somebody, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And so I have, I'm trying to remember that <laughs> like there for my mom, especially, what she needs is for me to figure out what she needs and just to do it for her, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. so there's this care aspect that I'm learning. Um, there's this balance that I'm trying to play. I don't want to overstep, and I want to make sure that my care and my help is is actually needed and solicited and wanted, while also trying to be intuitive enough and and know her well enough to know this would actually really help. So um, we're wanting to send some things to my dad. Uh, the the nurse, nurses have asked for us to send some stuff to my dad. Mom told me that. So I went ahead and ordered it on Amazon and sent mm-hmm. it to the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Little things like that for care. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a waiting game right now. And, and that's really sure. hard to, to sit on the sidelines and just, just wait, mm-hmm. you know? I appreciate you sharing that. I, I think it's so easy to fall into that trap of like, what do you need? I'm here if you need me. Mm-hmm. And yet most people just don't even know what they need. Um, right. So I like that you just took that initiative. Um, how can how can congregational care ministers who are caring for uh, persons who have COVID, how can they anticipate the needs or even um, decipher what people need What without asking that question? What do you need? And they don't know how to answer. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I think continuing to have real relationships with those that you are caring for, having conversations and connecting with them and listening, really listening. You can mine some of the things out of regular conversations without saying, what do you need? Or, you you know, and and that's always with good intentions. You You can get those answers from within conversations. And so a way to frame it, I still think it's important to get consent for Mm -hmm. care. Like you don't want to impose care on somebody, but if they're saying, you know, I, I'm low on groceries right now and I can't get out because I've been exposed instead of saying, Oh, you know, I'm here for you. What can I do? Maybe offer, well, mm-hmm. I'd be happy to go pick up those groceries. Is that something that you would like me to do? Even mm-hmm. just offering care and being proactive that mm-hmm. way rather than being more passive in, mm-hmm. in asking um, can be really helpful. And I think that comes with developing those listening skills and maintaining relationship with the family members around the person who is sick. Sure. And we know that this is not a short-term thing. I mean, this is something mm-hmm. that we're going to deal with long-term. What's what's on your heart and mind? What do you think of, of your family members and the long-term effects of this? 
Yeah. I mean, there's there's obviously the physical long-term effects. So my dad had COPD before COVID and he'll have it afterwards. And we know that people who have had COVID will have lasting impacts with um, their lungs and other organs. Like we're still learning about all of those physical impacts. There's also like the emotional roller coaster of, well, he was good today and now he's not, and maybe he'll be on a ventilator tomorrow and we have no idea. There's some anxiety and, you know, maybe there'll probably be some PTSD, collective PTSD that we as a society will have to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think about my family, you know, medical bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, this is astronomically expensive. And so, so there are going to be some big societal needs for mm-hmm. care for the long term. I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial for the rest of my life, people mm-hmm. might be paying off medical bills mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's big. Yeah. 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 That's a long, long-term effect that you're right. It could be generations. Um, right. I have a friend who, um, has had COVID twice. And the second time she ended up in the hospital and after she recovered, um, the doctor told her that we know for sure that the second time shaved years off of your life and we don't know how many yet. And so there's these long-term effects of life expectancy is going to be lower. Um, People might have chronic fatigue syndrome, which can affect their ability in our society in which we like get paid for work, right? That's going to affect their ability to work. And so these are going to be some big systemic issues that we are going to be facing for, for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm curious, um, Laura, what do you see as... Um, what do you see as kind of that breaking point of, of knowing when people are okay, especially when I say of, of COVID overall, um, the other impacts, maybe you're not directly affected by someone who's infected by COVID, but the other impacts that surround us in COVID, um, just that, that brink of, of breakdown. And I'm curious if you can um, share some thoughts on, on um, as a society where we're, having to provide care in that regard. Sure, sure. Um, Interestingly enough, I spoke with a social worker yesterday who said just in her own um, realm of work that she does with her clients, um, people are coming more to a place of that breakdown, um, whether they have been affected by COVID directly or a family member directly or rather indirectly, um, whether they've experienced the loss of a job, um, a loss of other securities, whether COVID impacts the relationships bet- in, in a marriage or between family members or how we deal with our coworkers on a daily basis when we are learning how to Zoom and find all these other ways of communication. And a point that was brought up that I, that I think um, is, is very real and it is a, it is a potential for us as caring congregations is understanding that this will be, as Melissa has said, a long-term effect in many realms. And we, as the church, have an opportunity uh, to step up to the plate and to offer those opportunities to build these relationships, to give people a space of grace, to share their feelings, 
um, whether their feelings are, are founded on reality. Um, their feelings are their feelings. We own those feelings. And um, I, I think about even in Melissa's situation, I've heard other families that have been in this plight of an entire family coming down with COVID. And there's almost a stigma that is now coming uh, uh, along with this COVID that who brought this to the family, you know? So you add shame, you, mm-hmm. you add the guilt, the, the, the burden of responsibility to all that. And people are hungry for an outlet for those mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. So I see us as the church, whether we really know what we're doing or not, we can research how, you know, what are the baselines for putting together a support group where people can come together, whether they have encountered COVID directly or indirectly and share how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the uh, strong uh, videos that we have actually posted on our website is a Brene Brown video. And, and I would invite anybody interested or uh, to, to go to that and to listen to this um, interview that she gave. And in it, she talks about um, how our feelings sometimes uh, we, we feel that we, we shouldn't own these feelings because someone else's situation is far worse than mine. Mm-hmm. I don't have COVID, but I learned I have to go back and have another scan because mm-hmm. something showed up, you know, so I shouldn't talk about my fears of the unknown or, uh, you know, uh, the anxiety that I'm having. I, I should cover that up. I should put on a happy face, you know, and those of us that grew up in the church, um, sometimes we find that we dress up, you know, not only in our so- Sunday clothes, but we mm-hmm. also dress up from the inside out to make sure that no one knows how mm-hmm. we're really feeling. Mm-hmm. And and so I see this as a great opportunity for us to develop ways, whether it's on one-to-one opportunities of just checking in with a phone call or a note, um, or developing these support groups where we can mm-hmm. come and find that safe space to receive grace. Sure. Um, and one of the things she emphasized is making sure that we um, find that person that we've developed trust with. Because mm-hmm. really, honestly, that's the only place we're going to be truly vulnerable is when we build that level of trust. So mm-hmm. um, we've, we've got a lot of work to do mm-hmm. uh, in Absolutely. this regard. But uh, I, I think it, this time calls uh, for the, for this uh, ministry that we can mm-hmm. be involved in as clergy and lay people. Sure. And even those support groups, you know, we may be limited to gather in person. Those can be done over Zoom or um, I think there's a Google Hangout or something like that where, um, or even Face FaceTime, you know, we can even just have those one-on-one conversations in, in FaceTime um, or porch meetings, <laughs> you know, doing visits as the weather gets nicer um, this spring and summer, um, being safely distanced from the porch and uh, being able to meet. But I think what you said, just an access point for us to let out our feelings, and especially as pastors and congregational care ministers, to validate those feelings. Um, because all of us are affected by this, all of us, in one way or another. We hope that you're enjoying this episode from The Caring Congregation. Check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for additional resources and information. Also, just an update. At the time we recorded this episode, Reverend Melissa's father was in the hospital with COVID. Sadly, he passed away.
Please keep Melissa and her family in your prayers and all those who have lost loved ones due to COVID. Now back to our episode. And I would say that it's easy for us to fall into what I consider a trap when we say to others, oh, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. If we have not authentically allowed them to share Mm -hmm. um, where they really are with their feelings, Mm -hmm. because maybe, maybe that's exposing our own vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and we'd like to think that we're almost over this. So let's just move on. Mm -hmm. And really, we're going to be dealing with the effects of, Mm -hmm. of, of this um, pandemic for a long, long while. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. It's okay for us to share these feelings. And I say, and I say this because um, I had the experience with this national team uh, when we were in the middle of a webinar and I was sharing on day one, how excited I was about being able to travel to Seattle to see my daughter who I hadn't seen in over a year with her two children and her husband. And we were to leave immediately after the webinar closed on the following day. Day two, I learned that Washington was ramping up, you know, their potential lockdown and we had to cancel our trip. And I came before the national team, a ball of mess and tears. And I remember saying to them, I feel so bad. I don't have COVID. Nothing's wrong. I just can't see my family. And I had this connection of these caring people to say to me, your feelings matter. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can't compare this to, to someone else's situation. These are yours and they are real. And I was so grateful uh, in that moment to be able to share who I really was and say, I'm angry, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hurt, I'm so disappointed, mm-hmm. and I feel so uh, isolated from my family. And even though it didn't change anything, it, the circumstances were as they were. I sure felt better after having mm-hmm. that conversation with my team. So sure. those are the kinds of things we do, not because we have an answer, but because we are the presence of God in those moments. And sometimes we don't even have to use words, mm-hmm. just simply show up. Sure. Absolutely. You know, in, in talking about the long-term effects, I also think of our children um, yeah. and the long-term effects on, on this entire generation. Um, Karen, I know with your grandchildren, it's been a struggle to not even be able to see them. And sometime, sometimes I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, the effects on children and how we can help them through this really difficult time. You know, our grandchildren are um, all over the place. We have four and um, the oldest 16, actually 17 now Mm -hmm. um, she has been full of anxiety, always wearing a mask and not keeping her circle very small um, and we have seen her one time since all of this started at Christmas time. And then um, our second one, um, you know, again, just a, a difference of how, but she's more isolated. She's more self-isolating herself. And so we can see, you know, how um, her needs of really needing classmates um, needing to be outside. And then uh, for our two youngest ones who are nine and seven, they 
had not been in school since March until just after Christmas. And they had been homeschooling and they were really missing playmates. And and they were isolated from us because their mother was pregnant. And so we couldn't even be very good playmates for them. (laughs) So, um, you know, all over the place, I think there has to be some intentionality to look at how our children um, need special attention in all of this. But, you know, again, I don't think it's any different than adults. I think there needs to be those small groups. And I would like to just, you know, Laura, you, you said some things about the small group piece. And, and in um, our textbooks um, that for the Caring Congregation, um, we have two new ones coming out, but even the very current one, uh, I did a, a prayer group recently for a local church, and it was a prayer class, and all the information was right in our Caring Congregation book, our text, and it's in the new ones also. But um, to just let you know that really the things that I thought people were so hungry for, as you said, Laura, they were, you know, at the beginning, I would ask them to put into the chat, what what do they want to pray for? And it was all COVID related. There was not Mm -hmm. one of the people who did not have somehow um, this need to be in community that night. And it was interesting, um, the pastor of the church popped on and, and said it was so good to see that there were folks on this small group who were not making it to worship, but they were eager to be in a small group. So I would encourage you to think about doing these uh, small groups and and um, the resources um, that I used were, again, the breath prayer the and helping people really learn how to do some meditation skills. And then we did um, scriptural prayer, which again is uh, praying the scriptures that's in the text. And then lastly, we did ACTS and, um, and then the collect, the prayer of collect. And so all of those resources were there and they were hungry to learn and grow from them. The other piece that I would, I would really encourage you to think about is um, similar to what Melissa and all of you, Joy and Laura, were talking about, is just being alert to that emotional well-being. And again, in our book, um, the two textbooks that are, are most likely to be ones where you would learn those skills of about emotional well-being, um, the training and resource manual, but also the new implementation guide. There is um, a spiritual assessment. Hmm. And in that spiritual assessment, there's a checklist so that when people cannot even name, and I think that's, that's what we're saying here. Sometimes people can't even name what they're going through, what feelings they're having. Like for children, I don't think they can even begin to name why they might be acting out or why we might be acting out. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there's this spiritual assessment that is a checklist that you might share with them and just say, do any of these things apply to how you're feeling? To give them words um, so they can begin then to say, okay, 
Is this what I need to pray about? How do I pray about that? What are some scriptures that might be helpful to to keep before me? And and so those are, I think, important ways that we can really be helpful as pastors and CCMs to just um, help people name mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. going on. Absolutely. And keep in mind, too, some of these feelings um, can be triggers to past traumas, mm-hmm. to past experiences, to uh, moments in their life where they also uh, felt they were out of control, <laughs> right? We've all, I think, been confronted with uh, the, we have the illusion of control. <laughs> and so um, just helping people, I think, work through the feelings, work through what are, what's uncovering behind these feelings. Um, I don't know about all of you, but even just experiencing church members acting out in different ways, mm-hmm. you know, people that are normally very polite and kind and gracious um, get snappy about some things. And it makes me wonder what's going on behind this. Um That's good, Joy. For me, um, you know, when when you're sitting here waiting to hear the next update on a family member and a loved one, for me specifically, you mentioned feeling out of control. I love to be in control. (laughs) And so (laughs) my trauma responses and my triggers are one where I I am finding myself wanting to micromanage other things to try. I I have this energy that I need to direct. And so I'm learning, especially during this time of isolation. I live with my my husband and my two-year-old, but we are not seeing friends. We're not, you know, we're not getting this incarnational experience for almost a year now. It's so important to have an embodied practice of sorts, like breathing, movement, even drinking your water. It can become a spiritual practice, taking Mm -hmm. care of your body and doing the things that you need to do to complete the stress cycle. I, I'm going to yes. name burnout right now. Yes. Burnout. <laughs> complete your stress cycle. We will put it in the show notes. Like mm-hmm. um, do the things that you need to do to get your anxiety out of your body because our bodies hold on to these things and we need to be taking care of our bodies during this time as well. Um, and redirecting that energy into productive things, because I know that I can't micromanage my two-year-old. So I need to do what I need to do so that I can take care of my two-year-old and myself and be a be a productive human being surviving in the COVID times. Sure. That's, that's so well put, Melissa. And I would just like to add that um, occasionally I have actually gone to our website, which is thecaringcongregation.com. And listed under our resources is actually um, something having to do with uh, the coronavirus, with COVID-19, with helpful resources. And the one that I actually went to two days ago was on the Coronavirus Anxiety Workbook. It's a free PDF download. Um, And in there, you can actually do what Melissa is saying. It it gives you an opportunity for yourself based on your needs um, and and your emotions to to come up with great plans um, for how to um, gain a new perspective uh, because sometimes we, this is just all of this is 
truly overwhelming, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially if if we are the caregivers who are also mm-hmm. trying to provide these services and be there for folks. But we may have our other things going on. We have children to take care of. Our finances are dwindling. Um, we are stuck in the mode of watching nonstop TV. I mean, we're all of these things that add to the pressure and the stress and, and create that anxiety and sometimes leave us feeling shameful. Um, that particular uh, site has been very helpful to me, um, even reminding me, I almost giggled when you said even drinking water. I realized I was getting dehydrated. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't been doing my norm where in an office I would walk mm-hmm. to the water cooler to get my water and fill it up and go back to my desk for a break. You know, we get out of those routines that are very necessary for our own well-being. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd suggest you to just check out that resource on our website. It's a great one. Yeah. In order to care for others, we have to be able to care for ourselves. Mm Self-care is part of part of being a caregiver for Mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll go ahead, Joy. Oh, I was just going to say, I think pastors struggle with this the most. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Caring for ourselves. Um, We want to be there for everyone else. And COVID has brought a whole nother level of stress for pastors. And that's where CCMs can provide that support. And also care for your pastors too, you know, just a quick note, like, Hey, this is hard. And what you're doing, you're pastoring in a pandemic, which we don't have books on this. We don't have a manual. We didn't learn this in seminary. Right. So, (laughs) so just caring for your pastors, um, helping them so that they can take a couple days off, take a week or two off even, um, it, that's huge. That's huge. I, I really worry about burnout for pastors in this time of COVID. Yes. And I know it's it's kind of easy for us to almost use prayer as a cliche when we say, I'll keep you in my prayers, you're in my thoughts and prayers. Um, this is a perfect opportunity for us to write out a prayer and send it to our clergy or to those that come to mind. Just coming to mind is a simple prayer. And yet we have an opportunity to form prayers, not saying we know what you're feeling, um, but just allowing that prayer to be a space of grace where God mm-hmm. can intervene. Um, it, it, I've tried it and it has, it has amazed me how many people have responded with you. You said exactly what I needed to hear. And mm-hmm. I, hadn't intended, but that's where we're relying on the the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide us and use those words, you know, as, as the Spirit sees fit. You know, I think there's a another um, place where we're finding anxiety now, um, just in the last month with the vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. And um, the disparity as well as the justice issues of how this is rolled out and and just making, um, you know, you think of the elderly who may not be tech savvy, whereas we'll get online, we'll sign up at four different <laughs> possibilities. I mean, there are seniors who have not that capacity. And I think as churches and as CCMs, um, people who are in the care ministry, this is a place where we could step in and, and say, could this be part of our senior care ministry? Mm-hmm. That we would make sure they have signed up if they want, um, and we would do the, all of those logistics for them. I, I know my, 
90-year-old mother out in Western Kansas, um, she didn't get that done quick. And so her friends, and she's not real tech savvy, her friends um, and relatives are getting the vaccine now, but she's down the list somewhere. And and so um, helping our seniors, again, I think would be something with the um, vaccines, as well as just uh, noting that in our understanding of um, whether it be a prayer group or whatever, the, the anxiety that getting or not getting the vaccines is another whole aspect Sure, for us. That's an excellent point, Karen. How can we be the church um, in these times? That's, that's a great idea. I love that. Um, well, as Laura mentioned, there are so many more resources on our website, thecaringcongregation.com, and uh, we'll include some additional notes in our in our show notes. Um, but if you have other ideas or would like to share with us, please reach out. You can always get through our website. Um, Karen, would you pray for us, um, knowing this is such a, a struggle for all of us? Absolutely. Oh, gracious healing God. We are so grateful to be here with colleagues and friends, Lord God, and for all of those listening ears. We just ask that you continue to infuse within us uh, that understanding, that uh, greater vision, Lord God, of how we can be the church. Lord God, give to us visions and um the ability, Lord God, to act as we feel called. Let us, Lord God, see those who may be invisible to others. Let us be seeking out, O oh God, ways to be the church and then sharing those ways. Lord God, let us not keep silent, but to share those waves um, across any capacity that we can in community. And lastly, Lord God, we would just ask, um, especially this day, as Melissa has been telling us about her family, especially, Lord God, we know there are others out there whose families are suffering. For all those who are suffering right now, who are anxious, who um, are trying to figure out what is theirs to do, Lord God, we would just ask that in any way we can be of help or that we might be... um, able to walk alongside them as listening companions. Let us be that, oh God. Let us be peace. Let us be love. Let us be light. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for more resources and additional information. Be sure to like and share this podcast and subscribe to this channel. Join us next week as we explore further topics on congregational care ministry. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.